and welcome to Taking Care of Business. I'm Jackie Mitchell. Today's show is a very special show. It's actually the best bits of the Byte Conference. Now, the Byte Conference was held down here on the Mornington Peninsula. It was Business Innovation Technology Efficiency. And there were some incredible speakers from around the world as part of this conference. And we managed to get a number of them and interviewed them. And so what we've done is we've created a three-part series, which is the best bits and the best interviews. You'll really enjoy this. And uh, the three hosts we had on that day was Warwick, Mary, Sally Bailey from Arts About and myself. So these are incredibly interesting, thought-provoking, knowledgeable guests and I'm sure I know that you're going to really enjoy this. So grab a coffee, sit back and listen and take notes, get your notebook out because there are some really great pearls of wisdom. It's part of a three-part series and you'll enjoy every single minute of it. So sit back, relax, enjoy the best bits of Bite. I have just come off stage and I have just been speaking to two incredible business people and they have both been on Shark Tank. So firstly, I'd like to introduce the co-founder and CEO of Be Fit Food, Kate Save. Hi, Kate. Hi, Jackie. Thanks for having me. Thanks for coming on the radio, from the stage to the radio. We, we just keep going. And our, our other wonderful guest here is the Chief Cookie Officer. I didn't get to say that on stage, and I really wanted to, but I, I'm just going to say it again. The Chief Cookie Officer of Sweet Mickey, Emma Head, welcome to our old PFM and taking care of business. Yes, that's me, my, my yes. job title, which I think is a bit fun. But thank I you like for it. Me. Yeah. Do you ever say CCO or no, always I, I Chief to. Cookie Officer? I found everyone around me had corporate job titles, and I suddenly found myself being a cookie maker. So that was something I made up for myself. I like it very much. <laughs> I think titles are a real opportunity from a branding perspective. Yeah. And your brand, Sweet Mickey, is a cookie. Now, we are doing radio here, so we have to actually, it's a theatre of the mind, so we have to describe to anyone listening what Sweet Mickey is. So the best person to do that is the Chief Cookie Officer. Emma Head, what is Sweet Mickey? So Sweet Mickey is a brand that takes the Mickey, so it's a definitely a fun brand. And take I, the Mickey out of the Bicky? Take the Mickey out of the Bicky, so, and Sweet Mickey, Melbourne Bicky. So there's a few word plays there behind the, the, the brand name, but essentially Sweet Mickey makes cookies, and these Bickies or cookies, depending on what you want to call them, them, um, have little quotes on them. So we started making quote cookies that said things like happy birthday, love you, thank you. So we have an online store where you can send someone a box of biscuits as a little gift. Um, and we also do a lot of custom cookies for brands. Um, we work with great retail brands, um, all sorts of industries. So essentially, it's a, um, a fun little cookie that you know sends a message to somebody. Um, yeah, they're yeah. delicious. I, yeah. have, I have been trying them all in the, in the name of research, but they are particularly delicious. And Kate say be fit food. It's sort of the opposite. So it's a food that we shouldn't, we, we don't need to feel guilty about. Cause it's actually, is, is it all weight loss or is it health as well? Or what's it, the premise? It's both. The premise is really creating a product that reflects the true science of healthy eating. So we believe in a highly plant-based diet, so four to 12 vegetables per meal, a source of protein. So whether that's animal proteins or vegetarian protein sources, We've got both, plus um, making sure that there's no added sugar in any of our products. We've got low-sodium meals as well. They're high in dietary fibre. So we're really trying to create, um, I guess, a real food version of a supplement. We don't understand as dietitians how it's got from real food into supplements somehow. We're 
we're trying to bring people back to actually just eating good food and then they won't need supplements anymore. Yeah. Now, your background is a certified practicing dietitian. Yeah, and exercise physiologist and, exercise and diabetes physiologist. educator. Oh, okay. Yeah. And so how did the, the notion of BeFit Food, what was the idea? Was there an aha moment or yeah. how, how, did it, how did it come about? I've been practicing as a dietitian for 13 years and I guess I give very similar advice a lot of the time. So I was seeing sort of 15 to 20 patients a day and I guess after giving the same message or similar message at least 100 times a week or more, um, you start to realise where people are actually struggling is cooking or having access to the food or actually getting the food into the house. So a lot of people understand what they need to do. They're just limited by time or limited by uh, cooking skills or um, some other resource that they don't have. So at the end of the day, I knew they would be successful if they were given the right product to eat. And at the end of the day, if they see what that is, then they copy it. So we... I guess we see our product as an education tool. This is the portion you should be having. So our meals are very small portions, but they've only got what your body actually needs. So they've only got the right amount of protein. So your body can only absorb 20 grams of protein every three hours. There's no point having these huge big meals that really just encourage the body to store energy. So we just give people what they need. And then we find certainly after two to four weeks, they're out on their own and they make better choices. They get full more quickly. They know what a real meal should look like. They know what to include and what to exclude because they model it on what we've been giving them. Yeah. Now, the other reason we have Emma and Kate together, and they, you hadn't met before today, no. had you? And uh, the one thing they do have in, in common besides food is that they have both been on Shark Tank which is the TV show, for those listening who haven't seen it, which is where you come, you're onto the show, you apply to come on the show, you're pitching a business idea to five of Australia's, I suppose, leading business people. Absolutely terrifying. So, uh, Emma, when you went on Shark Tank, and I did have a little look on YouTube, and you can look up Emma Head and Kate Save on their Shark Tank experiences. When you went on, you said that you were extremely nervous. You didn't look nervous. So how did you manage your nerves? I definitely was nervous, but I definitely channeled. Someone said to me, you know, when you're doing something like that, one of my old bosses who works in advertising, who speaks in front of a lot of people, said, channel the best version of yourself. You, you know, on the best day of your life, channel the best version of yourself. And I, I definitely um, got a few tips from people, but I, and I used my best acting skills from high school. And I, 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 I just returned from America and I had a really positive trip there meeting with some people about my product. And so I was on a bit of a high, but I managed to mask those nerves. And people said, oh, no, but you were so sassy, you know. And I said, oh, no, that, was, that wasn't sass. That was me being defensive. When I didn't know something, I'd say, oh, well, I think I will. And, you know, I definitely tried to channel, um, channel all the confidence and act through it because yeah. and, and, I knew it was, you know, it was a pitch and I had yeah. to be, um, you know, as confident as I could. Um, but I think it came across as super confident, but a lot of it was probably nerves and me uh, making up an answer on the spot. But well, I think that's a good insight into the mental state. So you did some self-talk and got yourself sorted out. Yeah. Now, Kate, in my short time of knowing you, you're very calm. Were you, or were you like that going on to Shark Tank or were you nervous or how are you feeling? Oh, look, when I've done my homework I'm confident and the good thing about it was I was talking about something that I knew inside out because I had done the work I'd watched every episode over three months taken notes and answered every question they'd ever asked so I knew if they asked a question that they'd asked in the history of the last five years of Shark Tank in Australia or overseas I knew the answer to it in relation to my business so 
I felt prepared and I guess the nerve still comes on being on national TV and knowing that you can't take anything back that you say that everything goes to air and at the end of the day, if you've said it, you own it and you need to defend that. So there was nerves around that but I think um, as far as it goes in preparation, all my advice to anyone who's pitching business to maybe not Shark Tank but potentially investors or the bank is just know your business inside out then you've got nothing to worry about. Yeah, I love I love the preparation story that really rung true to me and I think you know watching every episode so you you got to know the sharks you could almost predict their behavior and did they ask you a question that that asked someone else before oh absolutely yeah. everything that they'd asked had been asked before because I guess at the end of the day all the sharks really care about is making money is mm. this a viable business do people want the product who's your market how are you going to get it to them? How is it unique and how are you going to make money out of it? What are your cost of goods? And that's really what they care about. So they'll throw any of those questions in a variety of different ways, I guess. Okay. And you got a yes from Steve Baxter and Janine Ellis. Is that yeah, right? that's right. And you chose, you got to choose and you chose Janine Ellis. Yeah. Look, in the back of my mind, I went in there to get Janine Ellis purely because I liked uh, what I'd read about her in her books and all of her articles and she managed to make her brand boost a household name to 90% of Australians in five years and that was something that I thought was remarkable and I would love to do that with Beefit Food. But on the other hand, I saw Steve Baxter's talents in terms of the online skills and being that our business is predominantly online, we've only got a small retail outlet in Mornington that, you know, the strengths of having that would have been huge. And I think, you know, for our online platform, that would be amazing. But at the end of the day, having two sharks, which Emma's now talked to me about, would have been quite challenging because you're being pulled in two different directions. And I think knowing that the business was myself and Jeff Draper, the bariatric surgeon, there was already two of us. And introducing one more person, you know, that that was another person to have conversations and meetings with. But having two more people just would have meant a lot more time and a lot more decision-making and harder at the end to come down to, you know, to all agree. Mm. And Emma, who did you choose or who chose you? So I had an offer from Andrew Banks and Janine Ellis mm-hmm. um, and then they agreed to work together, um, which was really great. And so, um, yeah, we went on to meet monthly. And so do you, you met them together monthly uh, or yes. did you meet them independently? I w- uh, sorry, I would meet... Uh, I would meet Janine because Andrew was based in America, so he would dial in. Oh, really? Yeah, so that was you know, an interesting process. Mm. But, um, but, yeah, it was really great to definitely have both of their perspectives, and I learned a, bo- a lot from both of them. But it definitely um, is a bit more complicated to arrange meetings, and often um, one party couldn't, you couldn't dial in. So, um, you know, it was just a matter of, um, yeah, doing your homework. But, yeah, it was a great experience. I love the message there about business coaching and I often say there's a reason Roger Federer still has a coach. It doesn't matter how good you are at your business, I think mentoring and coaching is something that every business owner should be using and both of you have benefited from, from that, particularly working with Janine Ellis. Mm. If someone listening was thinking, oh, you know, maybe I should go on Shark Tank, was it hard to get on? Like, Jeff, is it a big audition process? Oh, look, there's a lot of paperwork involved and then you've got some interviews beforehand, so you've got phone interviews and then you might have a, a video interview as well. So there is a lot of preparation, but at the end of the day, I guess it, the more effort that you put into it, the more likely you are to 
get something out of it. So, you know, if you slap it together in one afternoon, you're probably not going to get an interview. But if you put the detail into it, more than likely you might get an interview. Yeah. And so if someone was thinking about it, going on Shark Tank, Emma, what advice would you give them? Um, I I definitely agree. Do your homework, learn your numbers, watch the show, you know, learn the type of questions they will ask of you and start to look at your business and, and do your homework. Um, and, and definitely, I, you know, I really focused on my pitch and, and really writing a really strong pitch. Um, my pitch got edited down a little bit, so the version that you saw on TV missed a whole lot of sections. Um, but, you know, that's the nature of television, things get edited. But, yeah, do your homework and practice your pitch. So, Emma, with Sweet Mickey, you're doing that by yourself? You're a sole trader or have you got any business partners? Have you? Yeah, I'm the, the only owner of the company. Right, yes, okay. So I, yeah, it's just me. So how do you manage that? Because that can be a little lonely at the top. Yeah, definitely. And I think in food, I, I was just talking earlier that um, it can be a little bit isolating because you're working out of a kitchen. So it's, it doesn't tend to be as collaborative. So it's really up to you to ask for help, which I'm not always great at, but just... Um, using your resources, the people around you, and, and there might be people in other industries, but often there's crossovers and shared knowledge and they're doing the same things as, as you for different reasons. But starting to ask, and you know, it could be your suppliers, it could be, well, who do you use for this? And just asking questions and, and getting better at asking for help, I think, and, and yeah, and, and developing, you know, a mentor or someone that holds you accountable and r- writing down and recording your goals and, and setting targets for yourself. Kate, you've got a business partner. Yes. So how do you manage that? Well, you know, because we talk about collaboration is the big thing at the moment and I think we can uh, all improve our businesses by collaborating. How do you manage that? Is it a 50-50 split of the business? What's the arrangement? Uh, No, look, there's myself, Janine and Jeff, and I guess initially when it was more or less a hobby for Jeff and I, then we put in equal effort. And then as the business started to grow, we really needed to nominate someone as a leader because you needed to be there seven days a week, literally 20 hours a day. So um, I sort of stepped into that position or more or less fell into that position because at the end of the day, Jeff's an amazing surgeon and that's what he does really, really well. And I'm he does business well too, but I mean, he's studied for way too long and he's got such a, a strong client list and um, for him to give up his career to go into product business probably didn't make sense for me. Um, my dietitian company and my dietitian consulting and my career, I guess, and all of my education goes into the product. So I get to look at how it affects diabetes. I can test it on diabetic patients. I can look at um, the nutrition of every single product. I can be in the kitchen. I can develop the meal. So I guess I didn't have to upskill in the nutrition or diabetes or exercise physiology, the weight loss sort of area, I really had to upskill in all the other areas of business and that's where Janine's been invaluable. But as I mentioned in the talk earlier, it's hiring people that are experts in different areas of business, so whether that is marketing and branding, um, accounting, customer service, uh, all the creative stuff as well, that certainly isn't my cup of tea and um, we've got some people in the business that, you know, they're very strong at those things. It's interesting you both said that in uh, this business show, it's Taking Care of Business and podcast, I've been doing for five years and to celebrate the five years, I thought, how am I going to do that? And as part of the process that I'll go, I wonder how many people I've interviewed. So it actually came out at over a thousand business experts and then I went, 
I wonder what the common threads are, and because I'm a bit sort of from a, also do a bit of market research background, I keep notes from every show, and so I went back through all my notes and I started pulling out the common threads. And I thought I'm going to get the top three tips that over a thousand business experts have said, and number one was just ask. So Emma, you said that. Number two was use experts, is what you said. So there's a common theme there that both of you have said that all the other business experts are saying. There's got to be something in that, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And, and you certainly don't know that when you start. That um, you know, it is hard to ask for help. And it's only uh, Emma and I had this conversation earlier that you know Emma said it's still hard to ask for help, and it is. And I, I was certainly like that as well. But then when I became so overwhelmed because we had that outrageous 1,500% growth overnight then I didn't have a choice. I just knew I couldn't do it on my own, so I had to ask for help, and I learnt the hard way. But um, at the end of the day, you learn the lessons in business, and uh, this is something I like about Janine as a mentor. She said it's okay to make mistakes once, so I'm not once. scared to try anything because <laughs> if it goes wrong, she's not going to, you know, that's okay, make it once, just don't make it twice. Mm. So, you know, you have to learn from every lesson in business, and uh, I guess the hardest one's, for anyone who's new to business is really understanding those numbers and how to make those numbers work day in, day out. And Kate, you went back on Shark Tank this week, actually, on Monday night. Yeah. You were on. And what was that just for a recap to see? Was it like, you know, you're the one of the success stories? Is yeah, that how look, it, it, it was really about where's the business at now? So since Shark Tank, has it changed? And look, for us, I'm not sure if we would still be here without Shark Tank because both Jeff and I were working in other businesses and we saw that this um, beef it food had potential but we didn't realise how big the potential was until we were on national television and we had tens of thousands of calls and orders coming through. Then we went, hang on, this is a bigger market than just the bariatric weight loss in, uh, market or just diabetes. So we started to realise that Everybody wanted to lose five kilos in two weeks. You didn't have to be overweight. You didn't have to be have a health condition. It was just, you know, people want to lose it before they go to Bali or it might be for their wedding or something like that. Mm. So we realised the market was just so much bigger. Yeah, and so at the moment people can get B-Fit food in Victoria. Yes, yeah. oh, no. and New South Wales. And New South Wales. And we are launching into Queensland and South Australia next month. So oh, it's exciting. Yeah, and look, our goal is to be nationwide by next year. So we've got a lot of work to do, but we'll have the main, the bigger states covered. Any global plans? Yeah, we do. So <laughs> I know that I've put it on paper, so Janine's going to hold me accountable to it. But we said we would be in the US by 2020 and by 2023 um, in the UK. So... Great. Yeah. I know that'll happen because you, one, you've said what Janine says, once you've written oh, it yeah. down, Hard work you're to com- come. committed to it. <laughs> I think there's something with that writing it down too. It makes that goal, Yeah. I don't know. There's a timeline it. on it. Yeah, that's it and achievable, doesn't it? Emma, what's your plan? So with Sweet Mickey, you can get that nationwide now? Yes. So we have an online store. We, we send gift boxes. So you can send someone instead of you know flowers, you can send a gorgeous little box of biscuits straight to their door. Um, and we are... Um, we do do custom orders Australia-wide as well. So our product ships Australia-wide already. Um, but I definitely think the future for us is doing um, more integration with delivery options and same-day services, so in, in place of flowers. And, you know, having that date selector that you know that it's going to arrive at a certain time in a certain state in place of flowers. Um, and then possibly other other new exciting things for Sweet Mickey as well. Where do you get your quotes from? Um, definitely from what... what 
what's happening and what's around. You know, when the yes vote came in, you know, we reacted and we definitely try and um, tap into what's happening on social media, different memes, different inspiring quotes. So I definitely look online to see what people are talking about, you know, on Instagram. Um, and also just from people around me, how my friends speak and, and what we're saying. And um, But, yeah, you can't help. But every every T-shirt you read or every inspirational quote, you, you're thinking, I've got to write that on a cookie. or um, yeah, yeah, everywhere I go. Do you put aside time during the week and say, right, Monday between 11 and 11.30 is when I write down my quotes? Or how do you capture them? Well, it's funny because now that I run the business, you get set, uh, you know, selling a certain range of quotes. And, you know, when I first started, it was a lot more cheeky and uh, a lot of quotes that weren't necessarily selling. And I noticed that the Instagram content had really changed. So I'm really trying to go back to basics. And sometimes I think as you get on a business, you need to revisit well, why you started. Why do you exist? Why did people first have an interest in what you were doing? And don't forget about that. Because sometimes I think, you know, you've definitely got to li- listen to consumers, see what's selling and, and focus on that. Um, and definitely take clues and leads from your customers. Um, but I think don't forget about why you started as well. Have you got your own quote? Um, I, oh, I think in terms of business, it would definitely, it would, it would be just start it, begin it. Um, you need to write that on a cookie. You need to own it. Do you have a quote, Kate? I do. Oh, my favourite one. Yeah. And I got this when I, before I even knew what the word entrepreneur was, I got invited as a 14, 15 year old um, away to one of the universities for a, you know, some camp for not necessarily the smart kids, but the kids that tried hard. And <laughs> so anyway, they sent me off to this thing and I watched a documentary on Walt Disney and he was an entrepreneur. Didn't even know how to say the word, didn't know what it meant or what it was. And I thought, oh, I want to be like Walt Disney. And um, he's quoted as, if you can dream it, you can do it. And that's my, that's my motto that I live by. That Have you got your own quote? No. Well, I think you should. Oh, look, at my dietitian company, um, my quote that I created there that I still stand Mm. by is to believe is to succeed. So... Yes, I guess there you I go. do. You do. Yeah, I'm a big fan. I, I love quotes. Food yeah. and quotes, two of my favourite subjects. And uh, and I think with business leaders and thought leaders and experts, any leader of any sort needs to have their own quote. And uh, and I encourage you to get your own quote. Yeah, use your yeah, own quote. I love that. Yeah, yeah. Don't use Oprah or anything. I mean, they've, mm. they've got good stuff. Walt well, mm. Disney, he has got some great yeah. quotes. But, uh, but I think it's, uh, it's, one, it's one of my things at the moment. I've got a few mm. soapbox issues you might have gathered, and that's one of them to say, come on, let's get your own quotes, you know, because yeah. that's when you can start sharing the knowledge and people can learn from you. And uh, business people like yourselves have got so much to share. And I know, Emma, you were saying, you know, you really want to help people, and when people look at starting a business to advise them about where to go to get trademarking and mm. where to go and get legal help or mm. to accounting help. Yeah. Is that something you might want to look into in the future? Yeah, definitely. I have a lot of people around me starting businesses and, you know, people messaging me on Instagram asking me various questions about where we get things from or what do we do here. So I definitely think with the rise of, you know, small businesses there's, um, and all that I've learned, you know, all the help... I'd love to be able to use that you know, in that. the future in, in, yeah. in 10 or 15 years, help small businesses and maybe um, maybe that could be a path that I... Yeah, it's a good feeling because the numbers of small business failures upset me terribly yeah. and I think one of the reasons for that is because we're not sharing the knowledge. So this was this radio show does that. Mm. It's one of, one, of the, one of the mediums to do that. Uh, and social media now is a great opportunity to be able to help other small businesses mm. to succeed and not make those. Mm. Uh, and some of them are just really basic errors. 
And I think one of them about using experts, one of them. Yeah. That they need and, to. and getting together in a room, coming to a conference like this, mm. being surrounded by inspiring people that are all here to do it better and all here to learn, I think that's really valuable because you come to things like this, you network, and you realise at the end of the day, we're all the same. We're all in business to succeed in business and we've all got that same common goal. So, you know, there's nothing that really should be competitive that you can't share because we're all going to do it our own unique way. That's a really nice way to finish up. Mm. Kate Save, Be Fit Food, thanks for coming on to the radio show and thanks for being part of Bite. It's been a delight uh, to meet you and thank Thank you for sharing your story. And I look forward to uh, keeping in touch on your journey and I wish you continued success. Emma Head from Sweet Mickey, taking the Mickey out of the Bickey. (laughs) <laughs> I like it. I like your brand. It's a very fun brand. Don't lose sight of that. Thank you. I think that's great. I wish you continued success too, and I look forward to our next encounter. You're listening to a very special broadcast here today of Taking Care of Business as we are broadcasting live here at Mornington Racecourse. We are at the Bite Conference. Welcome back to Adelpia Family here live at the Bite Conference. Sally, you've you've secured the guest of guests. I have. Well, I was upstairs just a little while ago uh, listening to Lance Burdett, who is our next guest, who's sitting across from us just now, talking about uh, well, his the, your talk was called Behind the Tape. Um, but I was most incredibly uh, interested because Lance doesn't know this, but I'm an arts person. So I, right. I, I've come along today to to see the comparisons, I suppose, between business and arts. And the thing that really fascinated me about what you were talking about was that you were talking about humanity, really, and how we deal with each other. And I all of a sudden got it that that was one of the big themes, really, in a way, at this, co- at this conference, is that uh, it isn't only, it isn't, business isn't only about number crunching. It's actually about person to person. Well, and, and Lance's background is like, you're the master negotiator. You're the, cri- you know, well. Yes. It, it, Tell us who you are, Lance. It's like when there's in a, in a crisis, the whole behind the tape is when Who are you going to call? The, the cop tape call is there and we've got to, got to do the negotiation. You're the man that we, we have on the scene. You're very kind. I'm, I get embarrassed with this. But, um, so what the program that I run, yes, so I was a crisis negotiator and uh, trained with, qualified with the FBI and came over to Australia and did a counter-terrorist negotiator's course and I still go back to New Zealand police and, and teach some of this stuff. Um, and so after having a, my own bout of depression, I guess, and, and maybe even have a thought of suicide, I decided to start helping myself to, to, to find out why this stuff happens. And I find it unbelievable at how similar all of our brains are. And when I talk with people about their journey, it's the same as mine. And so I started delving into more. And so I've developed this sort of engaged um, speaking, I guess, in front of people and convince them all that men and women think the same. And, of course, it is based on neuroscience, which it is. And we know that mm. 50% of our brains are identical. Neuroscience tells us that. The 40% that's different is our personalities, who we've spoken to, how our education. And that makes us think we're different. But when we're in crisis, when we're a business owner under the pump, we think identically. Mm-hmm. And so I convince people that we are the same. And so now that you know that, uh, that you might be struggling, it, it might help somebody to go and talk with somebody and say, oh, look, I'm not doing too well here. Um, I'm under the pump at work. The bills aren't coming in. I've lots of money going out. Um, am I normal? Yes. We're, and you know what? We're all so different, but we're all normal. Uh, yeah, yeah. And normal's very average. Normal's actually a mathematical term meaning average. So I like to think I'm abnormal myself, and I'm quite happy with it. <laughs> okay, hey, very uh, good. All right, so 
you're the crisis negotiator. We're in business. We're in a bit of a crisis of faith or whatever it is around our business and how it's operating. So as a crisis negotiator, what are the first steps of getting out of that position? Uh, it's, it's to make a plan. Mm. Right. Um, we know that, that, that um, science, even, you know, science and, and, and research shows that by writing stuff down, uh, it, it unravels our brain. So I, have, I do a couple of programs in my workshops around unraveling that tangle. So that voice that we all have inside our heads, mm. it's a younger person. It's designed to keep us well. Uh, it's designed to keep us safe. It's designed for all, but actually we listen too much to that voice. Mm-hmm. So what that voice says is do not step outside of your comfort zone. Go back to where you were. Go and find a job. Go and have a regular. Do all this to look after you, to stay in the comfort so when we get under stress when we're in business, the way to do it is to sit down and work out how am I going to get out of this. Now, um, being in business myself for the last four years, you know, it's just me. I developed a business from nothing. Yes, mm. it's me selling myself. And people think that might be easy, but, you know, I, I did two years of cold calling. I did, and that's the worst job it's, as a negotiator. Oh, yes, that's I, I have to tell you, that is my hell. <laughs> it sucks. Yeah. And I even had a script, you know, and, I, and I'd say, hi, I'm Lance, and I'm here, and you can hear them going, oh, whatever. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's, and it's, but you have to go through that journey. Yeah. And you have to get yourself out there, and you have to um, make mistakes. Uh, I, I call it these days run to the fire. Mm-hmm. If something's playing on your mind, get it out there. Go to it. Run to it. You know, just after pre- presenting here, I just spoke to somebody, and they received an email, a, a negative email, and um, he found himself starting to write back the email, and he thought, what did Lance say? Run to the fire. So he hit the call button and called the person. He said within two minutes it was sorted, and it wasn't a big issue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it probably would have escalated. He, 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 he felt himself pushing somebody from the food, <laughs> yeah. from the food table to, to get in front of because he wanted to, to go and do this email. He yeah. said he was, he was full of rage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he just came up and said, he shook my hand, he said, thanks so much. He said, yeah. I just feel so good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so that's what it is. You know, the danger, your brain looks for danger and then exaggerates it. It's called catastrophization. Yeah. To bring clarity. Yes. And so you can see where the danger is. Yeah, yeah. It's dumb. Our brains are stupid. Why but yet are very we clever. so stupid? Why, why are we? Because, I mean, everything that we do, we're dealing with people every day in whatever it is that we're doing, whether we're running a business, whether we're, you know, running a family, whatever. But we aren't often very good at doing things. Sometimes things seem counterintuitive. Why, why aren't we great at everything? <laughs> I, I, that's a great question. Um, um, if I had the answer, I'd be, uh, would yeah. be sitting here talking to you. Um, with all due respect, we, I'd be really a millionaire do. somewhere. The lesson, I guess, is is that we actually have a lot to learn. We do have a lot. So um, the 1990s, sorry to interrupt you, but the 1990s, uh, we learnt more in that decade than the previous 500 years. Why? Because we had um, uh, MRI scanning came out. So, you know, do you know, as a young baby, like parents, mm. we have baby, they used to measure the circumference of the skull to see how, whether you're going to be intelligent or not. I mean, we look back on those things now and we go, how we, did, we did <laughs> what? <laughs> we did what? Your kid's got a fat head. It's not going to be clever. It's not going to be clever. It's got a fat head. And let's face it, when a kid's born, its head's usually a bit warped and maybe got a bit of a point on it. And give it 20 years, it's going to be very different. That that's exactly right. So, so you know, I, I talk about the 80s as well. I think everyone must have been stoned in the 80s. You know, those, those books they around. Were. Those, those, Speak for yourself. You know, that Mars and Venus. We're very yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah, but we, but we know that we think the same thing now. Neuroscientists tell us, neuroscience says that. And also now we've got high-frequency MRIs and we've got PET scanning. and So we're learning more. Technology is great. And it's good to be at a conference mm. like this where technology is pushed. Um, we're getting using technology now, so I, I talk a lot around suicide intervention and prevention, so all my strategies are prevention. 
And we've now got phones that, that can monitor our mm. well-being. We've got games we can play that are healthy for you. Yeah. So we've forgotten that. But the other thing that I, that I come back to, as humans, we've forgotten how to talk with each other. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. And so picking up the phone's better than sending an email. Yes, it always is. <laughs> Absolutely. So with some of the... We were talking before about this, how we're so stupid. Um, <laughs> and, and, and our brain just guides us down the seemingly wrong path. Is that a safety thing? Is that like a it safety is. procedure? Is so it? it's like it's, it's designed the overriding to brain yep. going, I must keep myself yep. safe. Yeah. So if we look back to evolution, I mean, things were simple, wasn't it? We, it so I've got, this is going to sound terrible, sexist. I hope it doesn't sound that way, but men used to go and hunt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so it was all we had out there was to look out for danger. And, and we know that men were scared. Why do we know that? Because the cave drawing showed a big, huge Bison tiger, a big tiger, tiger or whatever, and, and the little wee man standing beside it. That's yep. not the case. So we know that we were bricking ourselves. You know, we, we were absolutely bricking. Um, and so that's all we had to do. And then ladies in the cave. Um, they, they, they were busy having they, children. They were busy it. having and children. And hopefully, hopefully surviving, but, but, hopefully surviving <laughs> childbirth. But they were also looking, after, looking out for danger. Yeah. And, yeah. So that's, and so they were doing everything plus. Yeah. Now, the one thing women learned early on is to talk. Yeah. Why is it that men represented um, two to one in depression, three to one in suicide? A man has learned to compartmentalise their emotions. And, and that's the early messages of yeah. like, you know, come on, be a man. No, what, don't talk about that. Yeah. No, 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 no. And it yes. is that bottle it up. And like our statistics for suicide, rurally for men, mm. is abhorrent in this country. It's around the world. So don't, it's right. not just okay. this, So I do work with agribusiness yeah, uh, yeah, back okay. in New Zealand, where I'm, where I'm from. Yeah, with, yeah, yeah. So, and how to identify when somebody's unwell and then what to do and say. Yeah. to get them safely and then to, to look after yourself afterwards because yeah, it yeah, all affects yeah. us. So it, it isn't a, I mean, one person in London steps in front of a train every day. Mm. We know this. So it's, mm. it's not just, it's global. Yep. Um, and for me, I, I know there's limited research, but we're just not talking enough. Right. Yes. Now, you mentioned a little earlier which, uh, about depression and that, that, that caused the great change in your life and the way mm. that you, the, 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 the road that you went down. Do you think that was to do with the, stresses and the pressures of the job that you had? Uh, yes and no. So life um, affects us all, right? So we have everything going and it's never one thing. Mm. So the one thing that happened was something in my personal life, my mother dying and, and not, not dealing with it. But I was doing 14-hour days and mm. somebody said exercise is good for you. So Lance, being a man, thought, well, he'd do an hour in the morning, do a 14-hour day and then do an hour at night. Yeah, yeah. I was looking really good, I have to say, even if I do say so myself. But the man was melting. Wasn't down good in here. The man was melting and falling apart. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah and yeah. I, the, the, the one thing that I did do was listen to my voice and that, that, that voice that we all have, the younger person, the dumbest thing you can ever do is listen to that voice. Mm. It just tells you to go and hide. And, and so coming back to that, yes, all of this stuff is evolutionary. It is all around keeping us safe and keeping us well. It, it, it was okay in those days, so just go and hide in the cave and wait for the... Wait for danger to pass. Wait for danger yes. to pass. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Danger doesn't pass now because we won't allow it to. Uh, and, and it's like, and even if it does, there's more danger of some description coming up because we're now the speed of change, the speed of technology, the speed is going. So let's, let's, uh, let's look forward and look forward positively. So what are the things that we can do, you know, as the, the master crisis negotiator, and you've done all this research into brain chemistry and how we work and all that kind of stuff, what are the things that we can do to, to not listen to the voice, to maintain a healthy approach and, and be our best selves? So we know that uh, the three best things you can do for yourself, which won't stop that voice, by the way, yep. is socialisation, talk right. more, exercise, and sleep. 
But none of those three things will work as long as that voice is going on inside your head. Right. So there's five techniques that I teach to okay. break that voice, right? Yep. So it's, it's become a habit. Yeah. So 50% is, is, is hereditary, genetic, DNA, all that sort of stuff. Yep. The other 50% is a habit. So how do you stop that? Well, there's, there's five techniques. The first one is uh, run to the fire. So find out about it. Find right. out what's Pick going up that on. phone. Yeah. Pick up that phone. Do something about it. You know, as I say, I jokingly, don't Google if you've got a, something wrong with you because you'll die. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've dumped the Google. It's, it's like, you know, <laughs> the Google, all, all of a sudden, Ingram he slash she has got a lot to answer for. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That thing. Yeah, yeah. So um, do something about it. Another way is to um, change your thoughts. Very difficult to do again mm. for some people, but, you know, look for the good side of things. And, mm. and I always try and look forward to good things coming up, which will give mm. you a shot of dopamine. Um, you can blink your eyes and say, stop or no inside your head. Yep. Uh, the one that works the best for most people is a rubber band on the wrist and you flick it. Oh. And that's NLP, neuro- neuro-linguistic programming. All we're doing with all of these things is breaking a pattern. So when yep. you get focused on something, so when we're doing crisis intervention, and I'm very lucky, 100% success rate with suicide intervention, when we're doing that, what we're doing is getting the person to think about what kept them going. Yeah. So as all we're doing is diverting their thoughts. Yeah, 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 yeah. Now the other thing, when you start doing this, this breaking that pattern, it takes 60 to 80 days, not mm. 21 days. Oh. So it's ingrained. It's what's called a neural pathway, a superhighway. Yeah. So you've got to break it. And you've just got to keep doing it. You've got to be persistent. So, yeah, yeah. so what I say is, is exactly right. So I say, get a diary or put it on your computer or your iPhone, whatever, put and mark today and then count 80 days, yeah. and that's the day you stop. Right. You have to convince your brain, your brain otherwise it's going to grab you again. And yeah, you yeah, it. yeah. So that voice, you know, we go to bed early um, at night time to get an early night's sleep, and that voice comes to you and says, I'm glad you've come to bed early. <laughs> I've got a couple of questions <laughs> to ask yes, you while you're yeah, here. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so we've just, we go for a cup of coffee, and we think, she'll have a latte. That's got lots of milk, and it's flat white. She'll have a flat white. She'll have a, have a what's an Americano? I don't know what an Americano is. <laughs> it's mocha, oh, oh, chocolate. And we, and we, we're doing this way yeah, too yeah, much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Life's become too complicated. Yeah. I don't know if you saw TV this morning. Inside of our phone, they actually put an old computer. They put, um, you know, the, the old Windows program was 12 mm-hmm. CDs, I forget what you call them now, floppy disks. Floppy disks, yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And all of this stuff, and it's got a level and it's got a compass all in that little phone you wear in your pocket. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so we've just allowed it to take over, and, and that voice has got busier and busier to keep up with it. Yeah, yeah. And, and what I have noticed is that people can't deal with the voice. And so what they will do is frequently distract themselves. And so they will spend all the time on the phone so the yeah. issues don't go away. And in, in essence, the baggage gets bigger and bigger and bigger until at some stage something's got to give. So can I stop you right there? You, you remember can. You remember that book called, in the 1980s called Don't Sweat the Small Stuff? Yes. yes. Throw it out the window. <laughs> Sweat the small stuff. Sweat the small stuff and the big stuff won't happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. I like the concept of fight a fire while it's a spark. Yeah, that's so it. So you can just like put it out done versus that's it. letting it get big and it's just yeah. it's, that's it's it. too hard. That's to it. Try. So all those books that were around the 80s, you know, yeah, yeah. they were great fun to read. Oh, it's still good to... And, and at the time, it sort of made sense, but like everything, our, our thinking has progressed. We now know more. We've been able to do more analysis. And so our learnings has, has changed. And so, you know, smoking is a classic, wasn't it? it was, everyone had to smoke to clear their lungs. Oh, yeah. And the doctors would advise... Oh, my goodness, that's To true, make your cough, to make yeah. your cough yeah, yeah, to clear yeah. your lungs. Hello. And, and the doctors <laughs> would be advertising, oh, I smoke yeah. a camel. Was it smooth? You know? <laughs> and you'd see these ads, and like you go, and you go back to some of the old medicines that's got like morphine and, and all these... <laughs> 
Coca Cola. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's how it's called Coca Cola. They never talk about the Coca Cola. They've taken it out, apparently. Yeah, apparently. Oh, it's still quite a sugar. Thank you so much for dropping in today. It's been great to chat to you, and thank you for the presentation you gave upstairs. The audience were loving it. Yeah, it was really great. Fantastic. And so, what's next for you? Back to New Zealand? No, I'm heading up to Byron Bay for a week with my wife. I'm going to go. I've been working non stop for the last. Goodness knows how long, so yeah, I'm going yeah. to take a bit of a break up there. I love Australia. I love coming here. It's a yeah, beautiful yeah. place. Right. And so we're up there and have awesome. a rest. Next time I'm coming to stay here. As you should. Lance, As you, should. you have a book? I do have a book called Behind the Tape. Behind um, the Tape. Yeah, it's, um, and it's available on my website, uh, yes. Warn International. So W-A-R-N. Yep. International. It actually stands for Wellness, Awareness, Resilience and Negotiation. Okay. So cool. warninternational.com and go there. There's, there's a video. Can I encourage also, if I've got a minute, a free video on there, yeah, yeah, how yeah. to look after loved ones. Awesome. So if you've got somebody who's struggling at home, have a look at that video. It's free uh, and it gives you some ideas and hints. Excellent. Wonderful. Warninternational.com. Thank you so much, Lance Burdett. You are listening to... RPPFM, we're here live at the Smart Business Conference. It's Byte Conference, proudly brought to you by Smart Business Solutions. We'll be back right after this. Welcome back to Taking Care of Business. I know you would have loved that as part of our three-part series, The Best Bits of the Bike Conference. We really hope you've learned something new today and at the very least feel inspired. If you just joined us, you missed a lot. It was a great show. And the podcast, though, will be on the website on RPPFM. We look forward to your company next Friday, 11am, for another part of this three-part series of the best bits of Bike Conference. But in the meantime, you know what to do. Keep taking care of your business.